0: Sister, sister! Sister, sister, I've got my own mind. I do my own style and my own time, and now everybody sees how different we have come to be. Sister, sister, and even though I'm glad to be with you, I gotta do what's real for me, like you got to do what's right for you. Wah wah wah, wah, wah. Eh. Uh, uh. uh. <laughs> uh, uh. Wa sister sister. sister. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with SUP Media Reviews. What's up, slices? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SUP Media Reviews. I'm your host, Kiara, and it's Black History Month. In February, we are going to be reviewing and celebrating Black movies and stories from four different genres, historical drama, romance, horror, and comedy. Three weeks ago, I reviewed the 1985 film, The Color Purple. Check that out, it's available now. The following week, I dove into Love Jones from 1997. Last week, my sister and I celebrated Black horror with a review of the 1992 film, Candyman, And today, in our final Black History 2024 episode, I'm so excited to review the 1994 to 1999 television sitcom, Sister, Sister! This show features Tia Mowry as Tia Landry and Tamara Mowry as Tamara Campbell, Jack A. Harry as Lisa Landry, Tim Reed as Ray Campbell, and Marcus Houston as Roger Evans. This is a show that I remember fondly from my childhood, so I'm really excited to dive in and re-explore it as an adult. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes, potatoes with this review, I want to share that next month, March, is Women's History Month and we're celebrating women-led media. So make sure you subscribe and follow on social media to be notified when the next episode drops. Next week, we're going to be honoring Ladies in Horror with a review of Scream from 1996. You don't want to miss it. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Here are a few fun facts about Sister Sister. At the beginning of the show's run, a beauty mark was drawn on Tia's cheek to match the one naturally on Tamara's cheek. I don't know about you, but it's pretty easy to tell Tia and Tamara apart for me, and it's probably because I watched them on the show for years. <laughs> The second fun fact is that there are a bunch of celebrities who've made appearances throughout the run of the show. Some of them include Kenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell, Sherman Hemsley, Daphne Maxwell-Reed, Kobe Bryant, Tyrese, mary Caden, Ashley Olsen, Lisa Leslie, Milton Berle, Boys to Men, Molly Shannon, and Brittany Murphy. This show was full of great cameos, including Tia and Tamara's real life little brother, Taj Mowry from Smart Guy. So look, My belief is that you can tell how popular a show was based on how many celebrities came onto the show. Celebrities love fame. And celebrities love to be a part of things that feel good and that they enjoy and that are great. So when celebrity cameos happen on shows, to me, for whatever reason, sometimes it comes across as pretty organic and it feels like this person wanted to be on this show because of the claim that the show has. So for me, shows like Sister Sister or Moesha that also had like a lot of famous people that came on the show as well. It's one of those things of like you can tell it's a big moment when the different cameo appearance is happening. The third fun fact is that for the 1994 to 1995 season of the show, Sister Sister ran on the ABC television network. However, at the end of the second season, the network canceled the show. There appears to be a bit of a discrepancy on why this happened, but it looks like the ratings for the show dropped when ABC moved the show from Fridays to Tuesdays. At that time, the WB network just launched and picked up the show for the remainder of its run from 1995 to 1999. I have a feeling in my gut that industry politics and maybe even some racism was involved in this little, you know, cancellation, but I could just be making that up. Okay, (laughs) I tried doing some research on it, but I really cannot find and like get the down and dirty details on what really happened. So something inside of my black spirit is telling me that I'm right about the low politics and racism piece. Okay. But <laughs> let's move on. And the final fun fact the living room and kitchen sets in Sister Sister are the same ones used in The Nanny, which aired from 1993 to 1999, which means that The Nanny and Sister Sister actually ran pretty concurrently. I never noticed that these were the same house but if you think about it yes it's definitely the same house so that's pretty cool if you want to check out sister sister you can watch all six seasons on pluto tv or paramount plus as of the recording of this episode now let's talk about my personal connection to this show I am connected to the show in what feels like a lot of ways. When it comes to actually watching the show, I can recall watching it with my family members, including my great grandparents. Being in a multi-generational family when I was younger and being able to be entertained by a show that was funny and a great watch that you were able to watch with across multiple generations is low-key kind of crazy. I feel the same way about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Sister Sister is also up there with that. It's like your parents could feel good about you watching this show because it was pretty wholesome (laughs) and had like good life lessons in it and I just have really fond memories of watching this as a young girl with my family. Another part of my connection to this show is the fact that it centers a Black successful non-nuclear family. Now I did not know at the time that Tia and Tamara were Biracial. So, in my eyes, these were two little black girls with their adoptive, semi platonic, entrepreneur parents living in a lovely household with an annoying neighbor. This show may have had the same impact on me that the Cosby show had on my parents' generation. It displayed black characters with non nuclear families in a positive light. Representation matters, y'all, and I could really see myself in Tia in particular. Because she was the bookworm and the rule follower. I also identified with having people in my house that I wanted to say go home to. So this show was like definitely for me. I was their target audience, okay? I really loved this show as a child and I'm super excited to dive into Sister, Sister! First, we're going to do a quick overview of the show and the main characters. And then we'll do a deep dive into two of the episodes that I remember most from my childhood. Sister Sister is a television sitcom that takes place in the Detroit area and tells the story of two identical sisters separated at birth who are reunited as teenagers. Over the course of six seasons, we get to see the sisters, Tia and Tamara, get to know each other, go through all their adolescent challenges and triumphs, and even start dating and college. Here's a quick breakdown of the main characters. Tia Landry, who is played by Tia Murray, is one of the two twin sisters who was separated at birth and is adopted by Lisa Landry. Tia is a bright student, a rule follower, and can sometimes take herself too seriously. Since Lisa was a fledgling seamstress, they were not a family of means and struggled financially before moving in with Tamara and her adoptive father, Ray. I never considered this before, but Tia's stellar academic record could have been a response to growing up poor and believing that education was her way out of poverty. Part of Tia's character development is adjusting to her new environment, learning to let loose and have fun, and keeping her sister on track when things get a little too crazy. Tamara Campbell, who's played by Tamara Mowry, is the other of the two twin sisters who was separated at birth and is adopted by Ray Campbell. Tamara is wild and fun and doesn't take herself or school too seriously. She's accustomed to an affluent lifestyle due to her father's successful business. I um, mean, I never really thought about this until now, but it is possible that her affluenza could contribute to her disregard for the rules and lack of attention in school. Overall, Tamara is a great time. She has tons of brain farts that cause shenanigans, and she's a sweet person with a good heart heart who really cares about her sister. Next up, we have Lisa Landry, who is played by Jack A. Harry. She is the adoptive mother of Tia. Lisa is a struggling seamstress with a fiery personality and a love for men and food. Lisa is very funny and provides great guidance to both Tia and Tamara with some humor and sternness thrown in. She's absolutely one of my favorite characters in the show, and we get to see her try to build her business, deal with relationships, and navigate a weird, adversarial, and semi platonic relationship with Ray Campbell, the adoptive father of Tamara. In a lot of ways, she's more of a free spirit with a similar personality to Tamara. Now we have Ray Campbell, who's played by Tim Reed. He is the adoptive father of Tamara. Ray is a successful businessman with a fleet of limos that service the city of Detroit. Ray comes off as a stick in the mud, much to Lisa's chagrin. He's a rule follower, and he has a hard time letting loose and is the more stern of the two parents, which often makes him the party pooper. Ray has great intentions and gives good advice and was gracious enough to allow Lisa and Tia to move into his home so that the sisters wouldn't have to separate after they found each other. He has a good heart. And over time, we see him loosen up a little bit and navigate the weird adversarial sexual tension with Lisa. One thing I want to point out that I feel like may have never been addressed because of course, I don't remember this entire series. How did two single people adopt children separately? For whatever reason, I feel like I might remember that Ray had a partner who may have passed away. I don't know. I don't remember. But Eventually, these are like two single people who had adopted children. And it's like adopting children is hard enough, but doing it as a single person sounds almost impossible. Do we get an answer to that? And am I just not remembering? It's one of those things where it's like, "Mm, that don't seem right. next up, we have Roger Evans, who's played by Marcus Houston. He's the neighbor of Tia and Tamara, who is infatuated with the sisters and comes to their house way too often. Over time, the infatuation fades and Roger actually becomes friends with the sisters. We get to see him grow up from a little pervy misogynist to an okay adult with a talent for singing. And while the family gets really used to saying go home, Roger, he does sometimes come in clutch and really cares about this family. I would even go so far to say that he sees Lisa and Ray as like additional parental friends figures in his life we love Marcus Houston he's been going through some stuff in social media recently because of his marriage but we're gonna leave that there young Roger we loved him okay even though he was quite toxic he was very toxic, y'all. I'm a, let's move on. There are a few other recurring characters on the show that come to mind. Later in the series, both Tia and Tamira are in long-term relationships with Tyreek Scott, who's played by Ron Rico, I believe it's Ron Rico Lee, and Jordan Bennett, who's played by Dion Richmond. Now, you may recognize Dion Richmond as Bud from the Cosby Show From back in the day. These two love interests were on the show for many episodes and added a layer of maturity to the show, depicting the real life ups and downs of relationships and arguments and things like that. Another recurring cast member that comes to mind is D'Avion Jones, who's played by Alexis Fields, who was good friends with the girls in high school and college. You may recognize her as the sister to Kim Fields and the daughter to Chip Fields. But I always thought that D'Avion was very pretty and she had like a really Ghetto name on a respectable sitcom, so I dug that. (laughs) Diavion, y'all. What kind of name is that? (laughs) Diavion? That's crazy. And the spelling is even crazier. (laughs) The spell D I A V I A N. Diavion. That's crazy. I love it. (laughs) I mean, Anyway, the main conflict of the show is that it's about two long lost twin sisters and their adoptive parents connecting, making a family and working through their issues together. We laugh, we cry, we learn lessons about life and love and the true meaning of family. Now, enough exposition. Let's talk about an episode. The first episode we're going to discuss is season two, episode one, titled Hair Today. By this time in the show, Tia and Tamara have been reunited for a year and have gone through the initial phases of their reconnection and getting to know each other. I chose this episode because it's early enough in the series and I remember it specifically from my childhood. It kind of makes me think of the politics surrounding black hair, which is still a hot topic today, but let's dive into this episode. The episode starts with the twins doing a dialogue and talking to the audience about appearance and how important it is to look good, particularly in high school. It's a super relatable topic, right? And there are a few funny bits about how Tamara looks good because she looks like Tia. But quickly we transition to the girls where we see the in crowd, the geeks who are in the out crowd, and the loners who in this case is Roger. Tia and Tamara are Good with like the idea that they are sisters and they have each other as a friend group. But Tamara wants to be a part of the snobby popular in crowd, which in this case consists of four like well-dressed girls. Tia is hesitant to connect with the in crowd. But Tamara insists that like if we're friends with these snobby girls, like we can just get to know each other and it'll all work out. Right. So right away, Tamara has more of a need to fit in than Tia does. So after an awkward introduction where Tamara comes off like really dorky in front of these girls, it's pretty obvious that the cool girls aren't into it and they kind of leave right away. Next up, we see the original theme song. Y'all remember the original theme song? Shaking up the family tree with sibling synchronicity. Sister, sister, never knew how much I missed ya. And now everybody knows I ain't never gonna let you go. sister, sister. (laughs) Which theme song do y'all like the best? Well, let me know in the comments. Okay. In the next scene, Ray is at home. Tia's there as well, but he's tinkering with a large bronze cappuccino machine because he's trying to save his little $4 a day that he spends on cappuccinos at the coffee shop. Unfortunately, he it's not going well because the cappuccinos don't taste good. Comes back a little bit later, I guess. But Tamara comes in with a magazine and she's showing Tia, you know, trying to get some ideas for a new look. And Tia is really like not tripping at all over Tamara's obsession with like getting a makeover Ray tries to give the girls the inner beauty speech again and Tamara tells him that the only people who care about inner beauty is the outer uglies which is hilarious and actually was very funny to me but that is something that people say right like when people say beauty is in the eye of the beholder some people usually retort that like only ugly people would say that <laughs> But anyway, Tamira is really obsessing over her looks and her desire to be a part of the in crowd. And Ray says, like, you show me a person who's obsessed with their looks. I'll show you a person who's deeply disturbed. And then right then Lisa walks in and she is excited about three gift certificates that she has for makeovers at like a little spa place. Now, the funny part is when she is talking about having these three makeover, like beauty makeover certificates, Ray says, you need all three, huh? (laughs) That was so funny to me. I was like, I didn't know Ray had the zingers like that. Like that killed me. That was hilarious. Apparently Lisa designed some smocks for the people at the spa and got paid in gift certificates instead of money. And so she's excited to be made over for a date that she has during the weekend. When she starts looking through the same magazine that Tamara has she points to a model saying I want to look just like this skinny white lady except black and beautiful and in this moment what she says is really funny but it also is like a little bit of a commentary on the lack of diversity in the beauty industry. Ray of course tries to reiterate his point about being happy with what you got but it kind of seems like none of the ladies are really listening to him and in the next scene we flip over to the spa where their ladies are being made over with facials and manicures and a bunch of other spa services right like the big idea is that Lisa is lapping up the attention, Tia is a minimalist when it comes to beauty, and Tamara is a maximalist who wants all the colors and wants the works, right? She wants to be completely made over so that there is a visual difference. There's one part where Lisa is laying face up for a massage, and a man is like massaging her and he gets to her feet, and when he compliments Lisa's feet with like a lot of glee in his voice, we find out that this man doesn't even work at the spot and that he only feels the soda machine machine and he's just touching on her to be a creep and lisa of course is like a little freaked out but then she's like hey come back (laughs) they portray lisa as a very kind of man crazed man hungry person which i don't know why that's a part of her personality and i can't decide if i appreciate it or if it feels weird and like too male-centered. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but Lisa, of course, is one of my faves and she's hilarious. They do a bunch of little funny things like Lisa gets wrapped up like a mummy and then she says she has to go to the bathroom and they do a little few other spa treatments, including a customized facial cream that Enrique, the spa owner, makes just for Lisa. So when it's time for them to do their hair, Tia gets the same old hairdo, basically. Lisa gets like this cute 90s updo and Tia decides to straighten her hair. It's straight, but it's very 90s because of how voluminous it is, even if it is straightened. I don't know how to accomplish this particular style, but there was something about when black hair was straightened in the 90s is it was not as flat and effortless as it is today for whatever reason it was kind of a little bit puffy and like more voluminous and that's the kind of look that Tamira had I didn't care for it personally but I guess in the 90s they were loving it so yeah So when the ladies are done with their little hairdos and makeovers, they're feeling themselves and they sing in vogues, never gonna get it in the mirror. It was like a really cute moment for the ladies. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. (laughs) Anyways, back home, Ray is speechless at Tamara's new look. At school, though, Roger compliments Tamara's new do and even has the nerve to ask why Tia didn't go to the beauty salon, too. Tia just says she's just happy the way she is, right? And Roger is like, oh, sure. <laughs> when the twins come face to face with the cool girls, they embrace the new Tamara and basically diss Tia. Tamara even gets invited to have lunch with them because of her new look, and Tia feels forced to turn down Tamara's invitation to join them it's clear that the cool girls only want to hang out with tamara due to her newly straightened hair and tia of course isn't really happy with this change back at home ray is hyper off of all the cappuccinos he's been drinking and lisa is applying her face cream tia is relaying her woes to lisa about what happened at school today and lisa is doing some type of man crazed rant again not sure on my feelings about lisa's man crazed element of her character But Tamara comes in to the kitchen with them and she gives this kind of half apology about ditching Tia when they had plans to go to the mall. So Tamara actually went to the mall with the popular girls instead and even starts like using their slang and talking like them. And so Tia and Tamara get into the kind of like timeless teenager, you know, Disagreement, right? Tia thinks that Tamara is changing and that the popular girls are only hanging out with Tamara because of her new hair. Tamara thinks that Tia is jealous and stuck up. And so Lisa reassures Tia. That Tamara is going through a phase and that she'll come around. Lisa also says that beauty is only skin deep. But then suddenly we see some redness on Lisa's face where she was applying her facial cream. And she starts breaking out. So she's having this dilemma in the moment where she's trying to teach her daughter a lesson about beauty only being skin deep. And then also like my face is breaking out for my date. I need to fix this. And so <laughs> there's like this tension between these moments that are kind of happening at the same time. But later on, Tamara is at a restaurant with the popular girls and the popular girls are being really mean and like talking down about some of the other kids at school. But when Tia spots Tamara and the popular girls, Tamara's like, hey, you should join us. But Tia, of course, turns her down, saying that she's there meeting a friend. She finds a table that only has one girl at it and asks the girl to pretend to be her friend and then starts laughing maniacally to try to make Tamara jealous. But it turns out that this stranger only speaks Spanish and thinks Tia is crazy so the stranger and her family abandoned tia and their food because they don't want to be around her crazy behind and they also couldn't understand her <laughs> in the next scene we see tia trying a bunch of at-home beauty products to change her look while the song by the temptations called beauty is only skin deep plays in the background i actually do not know this song do y'all know this song by the Temptations, I do not. Okay, anyways, Ray ends up turning the cappuccino machine into a planter because like he was way too high off of the <laughs> caffeine. And Tia comes downstairs to look in a hot mess after trying a bunch of different products. Her hair is really large and frizzy and poofy. There's like a little few strands of color here and there. It looks awful. And Tamara comes in to see the hair and is stunned. And when they sit down to eat dinner together, they're all trying to be encouraging to Tia, even though they don't mean it. Tia's hair was like smoking when she came downstairs. It was literally, I don't even know how they did that to get her hair to like smoke. It's actually a little bit funny, but they're trying to sit down and eat dinner together. They're trying to ignore what's going on. <laughs> By this time, Lisa has kind of like fixed the breakout that was happening on her face or maybe put some makeup on over it. And they're trying to skirt around the subject of Tia's hair until Ray asks Tia to pass the hair chops instead of the pork chops. And of course, Tia storms off because she's upset and ashamed. Tamara tries to play dumb about why Tia messed up her hair. But her dad is like, girl, do you really have to ask? Tamara knows what's up. Lisa goes upstairs with Tia while Lisa is trying to figure out what to do with (laughs) Tia's hair and they have a little mother-daughter chat. Lisa gives Tia some motherly advice and even talks about her own experience with wanting to fit in as a kid. Lisa says that Tia will go to school with a large hat on until Lisa can get her to a hairdresser. So Tia wears this huge hat until Roger takes it off her head saying that she's wearing it wrong. But when Roger removes the hat from her head, he sees the awful state of her hair and he says girl you toe up (laughs) and the popular girls who happen to be nearby along with Tamara all basically tease Tia and Tia is so upset and disoriented that she ends up walking into the boys room so this incident is becoming increasingly embarrassing for Tia when Tamara tries to give her inner beauty speech to the popular girls they ain't really trying to hear it so Tia decides to tell them off basically calling them wannabes and she basically tells them To get to step in, right? So Roger is like, Well, I guess you told them. And so he tries to become (laughs) the additional person with the popular girls, even though they blatantly rejected him. I don't recall him being such a creep when I was watching this when I was younger, but Roger was definitely a creep and his behavior is not acceptable today. Tia and Tamara end up reuniting and saying that they rather hang out with each other, right? And then the episode ends with Tia and Tamara, of course, they've made up. And Lisa in the final scene is torturing Enrique by chasing him while he's wrapped like a mummy at the spa. So she's getting her revenge for him messing up her face with that special facial cream. Now, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was cute. There were some genuinely funny moments, and I felt like if I were in school when watching this, it would still be pretty relatable, despite the very obvious 90s fashion. The thing that surprised me the most in this episode was how Ray was just as good at banter as Lisa. Now, as a kid, I think I just disliked Ray so much that I never gave him any credit for being clever. But in this particular episode, he was kind of on top of it. So, and I actually... Found that even though he was more stern with the girls, it wasn't as bad as I remembered, really. This episode was so focused on being image obsessed as a teen, but it didn't address the politics of hair at all, really, which is really interesting to me. And I feel like it was a little bit of a missed opportunity. I don't know that the show in this season was really going to address any real heavy topics like they did maybe in later episodes. But like I said, I think it was a missed opportunity for them to be able to talk talk about the difference between curly or kinky and coily hair versus straight hair and the difference in how those are seen as beautiful and how that's even racialized and politicized but I don't know that they were equipped to talk about that message per se so they kept it to the very basic like image obsessed version of you know, the conflict in the story as opposed to going a little bit deeper. But the message about being yourself and about inner beauty still shines through for me. So it was a cute episode. It was fun. It was funny. We got to see a little bit of Marcus Houston's character. So now we can move on to the next episode. Alright, the final episode we're going to be discussing is season five, episode 20, titled Prom Night. Now, in this season, the twins are finishing high school and are about 18 years old. This particular episode stands out to me as one that I remember from my childhood. And it really makes me think about the type of rejection that parents of teens face as their kids get older and want to make their own decisions. Let's get into it. The episode opens with Tia, Tamara, and Diavion coming home from the mall in preparation for prom. According to them, the mall was packed and people were fighting over prom dresses, so much so that Diavion left the mall without a dress. At this stage in the show, a few things have changed. The girls are much older, like I said, around 17 or 18. They wear their hair bone straight all the time at this point, as opposed to their curly natural hair that they started the show with. They have boyfriends, and now they have separate rooms that are connected by what I believe is called a Jack and Jill bathroom. I actually remember a little bit of the episode where they got those separate rooms pretty well. That's a memorable episode for me as well. I think partly because I always wanted my own room and I didn't get one until I was 17, which was years and years after the show aired. But anyways, the twins are excited about how they now have the perfect dresses, the perfect boyfriends, and they're ready for the perfect prom night where John B is performing at their prom. Do people have celebrities come to their proms and perform? I feel like that happens quite a bit on TV shows. And I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say that in real life. John B. coming to your prom in the late 90s? That sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he his set list, how big his set list would be, or how many of the songs I would know, but it sounds amazing. Anyway, Tia's dress is a long kind of spaghetti strap halter black dress. While Tamara's is like a, a long spaghetti strap, light blue number that's slightly different in like the chest area, and it has like some beading or embellishments around the chest area. So right after this we switch to the new theme song. Sasta sasta! So we switch to the second theme song and it's supposed to be a reflection of them being older, of them having their own separate identities. And so I think both theme songs are fine, but I do really like that the girls themselves are singing in the later theme song. Again, tell me which one you all like the best. Well, next up we see Lisa in her sewing studio, which if I remember correctly is in the attic maybe. And she's talking to a woman named Maddie. Now, initially I couldn't tell what relationship Maddie had with Lisa, but I found it hilarious that the actress that's portraying Maddie, Esther Scott, is the grandma from You Got Served. Lisa is the mom from You Got Served and Roger is one of the main characters of You Got Served. It was just crazy for me to see that all of these people were in the same show. (laughs) But the point of this scene is to show that Lisa assumes that Tia and Tamara would be upset if she didn't design their prom dresses, while Maddie feels like the girls would want to do their own thing at the big age, of 17 or 18. Now from this conversation, we also learned that Lisa's business has taken off and she now has celebrity clients. So that's a big evolution for Lisa. Turns out Maddie is actually a colleague of Lisa's that beads the dresses that Lisa makes. The ladies cover up the surprise gowns right before Tia and Tamara run up to the sewing studio to give Lisa the big news about their dresses. But before they can do so, Lisa reveals the prom dresses that she made for them. One of the prom dresses looks almost like a wedding dress. It's like white, with like an embroidered or beaded bodice. And the other one is like a lilac or pink gown with a shawl and like some crystals around the bust area. The girls are shocked to hear that the dresses are for them. And they kind of rush out of the attic. And head to the kitchen where they are so upset about what just happened. And it's one of those things where like they can't be mad because it's a lovely gestures and the dresses are actually really cute. It's just that they weren't expecting it and they have to figure out a way of getting what they want without being mean about it. (laughs) And so they got to come up with a plan, essentially. We also find out that the sisters can't return the dresses that they purchased because the dresses were on sale. So right then, the twins' two boyfriends enter the kitchen. There's Tyreek, who is Tia's boyfriend, and Jordan, who is Tamara's boyfriend. Let me tell y'all something. I always thought that Tyreek was very cute and that Jordan should have been played by somebody else. (laughs) I don't know what it is about Jordan. I just don't find him to be cute, personally. And I just, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. Jordan is just not cute to me. And I feel like Tamara could have gotten a little bit better. But he is a good actor. And there is some nostalgia around him being the same little kid from The Cosby Show. So, I guess. I mean, it worked out. And he's a good actor. So, whatever anyways Jordan has his own thoughts about the prom but Tamara ends up shutting them down woo, woo, woo. it's not that important moving on Ray comes down to the kitchen to say he wants to upgrade the kids to a white stretch limo with his best driver Eddie now we find out that this particular limo is huge and old school and that Eddie is a slow driver <laughs> so The girls, like the guys aren't really getting excited about this because it's an old school limo as opposed to one of the newer, sleeker, regular black limos and Eddie is not like the best or most exciting limo driver, right? but Tamara accepts the offer and thanks her dad because this particular limo has a back seat that is big enough for the girls to switch dresses on the way to prom so the girls have a plan they're gonna wear the dresses that Lisa sewed them and then on the way to the prom in the limo they're gonna switch dresses to the ones that they bought nobody gets hurt right and so (laughs) we get a brief scene of Tyreek and Jordan at the tuck shop Jordan obviously isn't with the whole tuck situation but he gets roped in To getting an expensive tux by a smooth and beautiful saleswoman. Not super important, but it happens. Back at home, the girls come downstairs in the dresses that Lisa made and they look great. Tia is in the lilac one and Tamara is in the white one that is super, it looks like a wedding dress y'all. Ray tries to take photos with this, a fancy camera, but the batteries are dead. So Maddie ends up taking photos with like this old school camera that has a flash cube. I don't know why. But I'm trying to remember if there is a recurring theme in this show about Ray getting all like the newest, fanciest technology and it not working out for him. I feel like there's some type of commentary in there about like the latest and greatest technology and about sometimes old school things being better. I don't know why that thought just came to my mind, but I feel like it might have been a recurring theme. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about or if I'm just making stuff up. Anyways. Maddie is taking photos with an old school camera that has a flash cube. Y'all flash cubes are even too old for me. I don't remember them. Okay. But Jordan comes into the house dressed like Blackula in a tux with a top hat and a red line cape. He looks crazy a little bit. It's not bad. He just looks like a villain. (laughs) Tyreek looks normal and great in his regular tux. It's prom 1998. Yay, y'all. So they're done taking photos. And in the old school white limo, the guys sit up front with the driver while the girls switch dresses in the back seat. Eddie, the limo driver, is played by Ronaldo Ray, who's a comedian that you might remember as Red's dad from Friday. The little partition gets lowered down. I can't tell if it was on purpose or on accident, but the girls almost get exposed a little bit while they're dressed, which didn't necessarily have to happen. I feel a little weird that that scene was included, but we'll move on from there. The girls make it to prom in the gowns that they bought, And when they enter the room, D'Avion tries to, you know, direct them or whatever. And, you know, she's like, hey, y'all, let's get out of here (laughs) create a diversion or something like that or or a distraction. But unfortunately, it doesn't work. And when the girls walk in and really take in what's happening, they see that literally every other girl in the prom is wearing the same store-bought dresses. And for some weird reason, the girls get laughed at by all the other girls in the room who are wearing the same dress. First off, me and you are in the same dress. Why are you laughing at me? I don't know if that was supposed to be some type of like, the word hallucination comes to mind. If it was supposed to be some type of projection of how they thought that they were being perceived in the moment. But it's like, girl, me and you were in the same dress. Why are you laughing at me? Because you showed up first. Or the 12 of you showed up first. Literally every girl in that prom besides Diavion was wearing the same dresses. Those black and blue dresses. So the girls freak out, of course, because they don't want to be one of many at the prom which is you know once in a lifetime opportunity so they're like we got the backup dresses in the limo right but unfortunately they have to wait for Eddie to return to unlock the limo and while they're waiting of course they are missing the prom and a lot of John B's performance. D'Avion and her date come out to say like here's what's going on at the prom and I'ma come hang out with y'all but right after John B finishes performing so the girls and the guys are actually really missing out on what's going on with the prom because they decided to be dishonest right (laughs) so Tyreek and Jordan decide like we can't wait for Eddie right like we need to break into this car right and so if you all remember Tyreek actually works for Ray as a like maintenance guy who maintains the limos so he has some experience with the limos and like cars and so as they're trying to roll the window down To unlock the vehicle, Jordan's fingers get stuck in the window and the alarm gets tripped. Tyreek disarms the alarm by pulling a wire out, and an officer or a security guard, I think it's a security guard, played by nephew Tommy, who is also a comedian, asks the kids questions about their suspicious behavior. The cops get called, and eventually Ray and Lisa get notified. So when Ray and Lisa head down to the prom where the cops are, you know, detaining the kids, basically the girls have to confess because they are wearing dresses that they purchased, and interestingly enough Lisa takes it really well even though she isn't like super happy that Maddie was right about the girls wanting to choose their own dresses and not wanting to wear something that their mom made and Lisa even compliments the dresses that they bought she took this news very well okay something about me feels like Lisa maybe even in previous seasons might have been really mad about this but she takes it super well I don't know if this is her own maturity coming into play or whatnot, but she was not tripping, okay? but then the girls are like yeah everybody in there got the same dresses on so we about to switch into these Lisa Landry originals and head back into the prom where John B is performing so when the girls get back to prom the crowd kind of clears the way for these girls with their original ornate dresses on and everyone is kind of looking at them and so it's you know in this moment they get to be proud that their mom made these beautiful dresses for them by hand and they are originals and no one else in the room looks like them right and so John B of course switches the song to they don't know which is his best hit today of course I'm gonna have to sing some of it what's the best part You should know by now that it's going to take a lot of trust from you for us to make it through. You should know that you're my angel. Nothing's going to make you fall from heaven. Girl, I just want to love you. Love you. Y'all, my voice sounds awful. I am sick. I'm recovering from a cold. And I, I don't have all the chops here. Right now, okay. But if I did have my chops, I'd be singing the mess out of the song because we love this song in the black community, okay? Don't listen to what people say. And now that I'm thinking about the song, there is some credence to not listening to what other people say about your relationship, because they may be saying it out of jealousy. However, sometimes people will gaslight you into not listening to other people's advice when that advice might actually be right. So always go with your gut, okay? <laughs> sometimes people telling you not to listen to others is their way of saying don't listen to these warnings that people are giving you ignore these red flags okay (laughs) so make sure maybe john b's advice is not the best advice (laughs) but anyways The couple slow dance to the song. Ray and Lisa even hang out at the prom for a bit and dance to John B as well. And again, you could tell how lit a show is by the people who do the cameos and the guests who come on. And the girls still say that the prom night was perfect despite this little fiasco. So it's good that the girls have a nice little story about their prom night, which again is pretty much for most people once in a lifetime. Now that ends the episode. It was very cute, right? I can remember prom night for me, and I can only imagine what it would feel like to walk in a room where everyone had on the same dress as me. I actually really hate that. Like Even at restaurants, if I'm dining with a group of people, unless it's a a large group, I don't like eating the same meal as other people. (laughs) So I can't even imagine wearing the same dress as other people, right? Like, and I can also identify with wanting to do my own thing as I got older. So I really liked this episode because we get to see the girls in a more mature stage in their lives, right? They have boyfriends, they have standards, they have a good relationship with their family. And I feel like... I was really shocked to see how Lisa took the news and how she pivoted and she complimented the girls. That was really nice to see. And I feel like the lesson in this episode is basically that honesty is the best policy. And sometimes it's better to stand out and do something unique as opposed to blending in, right? I also really enjoyed seeing comedians like Ronaldo Ray and nephew Tommy and of course also John B. But overall, I just thought this was like a really cute episode that I remembered and I feel like it's pretty relatable that once you like get to a certain age in your life, it becomes harder for you to tell your parents no or to like hurt their feelings. So I feel like this episode is pretty relatable and it was just cute to see again and to see John B. with his little slick down haircut that what is with this 90s fashion (laughs) so that is it for sister sister y'all at the end of every review we answer two questions is it worth a rewatch and does it hold up the answer for me are yes and mostly, yes. Now, I don't know that I ever considered re-watching Sister Sister before now, but I do think that watching these episodes helped me to remember how much I really liked this show as a child. I realized that I am much older and can't really identify with the adolescent themes and struggles of the twins, and that I'm too young and childless to identify with the struggles of Lisa and Ray as parents. However, I still found the show entertaining and highly nostalgic. As far as it holding up today, I'm going to say... Mostly, I want to say like maybe 85% mostly that it holds up. I feel like the only place that it doesn't really hold up is the fact that Marcus Houston's character, Roger, is a total creep who doesn't respect boundaries, doesn't know when to go home, who hits on the girls relentlessly. And that happens for maybe the first few seasons and kind of wanes over time as they get a little bit older, but it still is pretty uncomfortable and unacceptable. So that really is the biggest part of why I don't think that the show holds up 100% but like 85% the rest of it completely holds up for me right I find that the show is quite relatable the 90s fashion and lingo is prominent but it isn't so bad that the newer viewers wouldn't understand what's going on the jokes are 90s sitcom funny with like a little bit of corniness but I was still having fun while I was watching it I was particularly into Ray and Lisa's banter and found them to be as interesting as the twins I didn't review any of the episodes that actually addressed hard-hitting issues but of course there are some Right, like there was an episode I remember that was about street life or gang activity. There was another episode that was basically about catfishing before we knew what catfishing was and how we shouldn't meet people online. There's an episode about dating someone with a troubled past, learning your biological history as an adopted person, gender discrimination and team sports, shoplifting, and much more. So, this show was a tool for us to really learn and grow together as well. And if I remember correctly, these tough subjects aren't covered in too much grimy detail because it is network television but i feel like the topics are handled with care and were probably good conversation starters for people with kids if they watch the show with their kids and maybe even could be used in that same capacity today right but i also want to reiterate that representation matters y'all the, in this show we have two black girls being raised by black parents in one household and the parents are not in a relationship it's a great depiction of a non-nuclear family making it work and that really is what it's all about overall this show deserves all the praise it receives plus more I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it after not watching it in probably 10 or 15 years if this show was a part of your childhood I definitely recommend re-watching it because I think that for the most part it really holds up now let's talk about the ratings. Rotten Tomatoes isn't really good at rating television shows, so let's talk about the 6.3 out of 10 rating from IMDb. In my mind, this show deserves way more love than 6.3. I would give it a 9.0 for the nostalgia and the depiction of well-off black folks with a non-nuclear family, and doesn't get 100% for me because Roger was weird. <laughs> he didn't have to be that gross, okay? <laughs> Anyways, Thanks so much for tuning into Sub Media Reviews for the review of the 1994 to 1999 sitcom Sister, Sister Did you rewatch this show recently? Does this still hold up for you? Share your thoughts with us on social media on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We want to hear from you. This episode concludes our Black History Month series, but who are we getting? I'm Black 24-7, 365 days of the year, so I will always love and review Black media on this podcast throughout the year. So no, this is not the end of me reviewing Black stuff I just wanted to do something special for black history month okay y'all join us next week when we start our women's history month series with the review of the 1996 teen slasher scream you don't want to miss it peace out <music> Thanks for listening to Submedia Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on submediareviews.com don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and if you have a moment please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners so until next time peace out home slices